we kill our bodies to do it. We put everything into our businesses. Um, and because it's done with passion, you know, when, if you love what you do, you wake up always excited to do it. And that's kind of the challenge that you give yourself. So this guy was like, um, my wife wants this bag. She's desperate for this bag. I'll sell it to you. And I literally emptied the contents of my handbag in a doggy bag and sold it to him on the spot. And I never really looked at it as my sex, race or gender or anything like that. I've never really seen it as, as that. And I never put that as an obstacle. And I think people are really just really receptive. I think the world has changed. Um, and again, it's removing myself from that bubble. Hello, welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Karun Kang, where we bring you the best interviews with leading business people and entrepreneurs within their field. Today's guest had a background in property investment, working in law and advising leading luxury platforms. She was in a meeting with a client who spotted a rare Hermes Kelly bag and offered to pay her double the price as a gift to his wife. This then sparked the idea of Luxury Promise, which she founded in August 2016. Luxury Promise specializes in buying and selling pre-loved luxury goods. She has since opened up operations in London and Dubai and recently secured funding of over three million pounds in a market which is expected to grow from $24 billion to $51 billion in 2023, estimated by Global Data. Today's guest is none other than Sabrina Sadiq. Hi, Sabrina. How are you doing? You're right. Hey, thank you for the introduction. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I should take you along to my meetings for pitch decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just record that and, and keep it on play. But um, thanks okay. so much again for um, doing this episode. Really excited uh, to have you on. And congratulations no, for on the, me. No worries. Congratulations on the recent funding as well. I'm sure it's a really exciting time for yourself and Luxury Promise. Exciting and busy times in the, in an uncertain world at the minute, but yeah, there's there's lots to do, and yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a, an amazing time at the same time as well. Great, and um, yeah, we've seen such, you know such a great uh, you know growth across um, reselling platforms as well. So you know, it seems like great market to to be in. And before we go, you know, in depth in a few questions, can you give us a bit of a background to yourself and your journey prior to Luxury Promise? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it all began, I mean, I didn't, I've always, like most women, really loved nice handbags. Who doesn't? Uh, and it probably started actually when I, I went to law, uh, studied law at Westminster University. So I was always in Oxford Circus, walking around all the shops, browsing down Bond Street and really was like, did a lot of window shopping back then when you're a student and was like, wow, these bags are amazing. So it kind of like sparked the idea that one day, how will I ever get this a bag like this um, and so you know coming from Asian parents you know do your study study hard become a good lawyer um, and then I love studying I love the studying part but I didn't really like doing the legal anything work related to it so it kind of started when I just first um, started my training contract and I really wanted to treat myself to like a nice designer handbag and I couldn't really afford to get one full price. So I managed to pick up one when I was um, traveling in Switzerland. I, I walked into a secondhand shop. Uh, I call it pre-loved because they've been loved by someone else before. And uh, I walked into a pre-loved store and was like, wow, uh, this is the bag I want. And it's like less than like 70% off retail. This is amazing. So I picked up this nice designer handbag, which is an Hermes Kelly, which is 
one of the most hardest and rarest handbags and most expensive handbags to get hold of together with the Birkin. So I took that bag with me out to a meeting and then my client was like, uh, how did you get this? Like, because you can't just walk in and get an Hermes Kelly. For those of you that the guys that are listening or maybe someone who's not familiar with the Birkin or a Kelly, um, you can't just walk into the store to get it. You have to be on a waiting list or a wish list. And basically I walked in and was able to get one. So this guy was like, I'm, my wife wants this bag. She's desperate for this bag. I'll sell it to you. And I literally emptied the contents of my handbag in a doggy bag and sold it to him on the spot. So I, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go into the store and get some more. And then realized that I was actually really good at finding these deals and then selling them to friends and family. But I really wanted to know what I was buying was authentic. So the authenticity part of the off luxury promise was really well, not of luxury promise, but of what I was dealing in was really key. And probably being very studious, I really studied all the bags I was buying. I was looking at how they were made. How do you check if they're fake? Because there's hundreds, the counterfeit market is, you know, a trillion dollar market of counterfeit goods. So you have to always make sure what you're buying is like the real deal. And when I investigated the fakes and saw how, how good they were, I got really scared to to know what I was buying was real. So kind of that's how it's, I really got into it actually, was more on the authenticity side, uh, rather than just buying a bag and selling it. I, I really wanted to make sure that what we were doing, uh, what I was doing was the real deal. And then realize that there's not, I could actually share those expertise with other people. But then at the same time, still realize that people still weren't doing this right. People don't know how to sell, not even, they don't know how, the brains of a woman work so when it comes to selling a handbag and uh, most of the times it's a, a guy who's a tech guy who's decided that the you know this is a great market and it's a big market but not really understanding what a consumer wants and so luxury commerce was born to basically give access to women and men all over the world um to amazing handbags well, that, that's brilliant and um what one thing you touched upon there about the counterfeit market um, I've seen an interview of uh, yourself where you actually spoke about it's not just about buying fake goods because what these companies are doing, they're actually um, abusing children. Uh, you know, I think I think you said, you know, disabling their legs so they have to sit there work, working constantly to make these, you know, counterfeit bags. And that's not something everybody knows of, you know, why you shouldn't be buying uh, fake goods because of the you know people in the back who you're going to be supporting there. Yeah, I would say when you buy, I mean, you, you might buy a purchase purchase innocently saying, oh, I'll just buy, you might, you might take a visit to Turkey or go somewhere, I don't know, where you see a really good leather bag and you're like, oh, wow, but this just looks, no one will know the difference. But you don't realise, like I said, it's a, it's a black market. So black market is underground money. Now, underground money funds all types of criminal proceeds from money laundering to terrorism to child trafficking, human trafficking. So the example that I, you know, I, I think people don't really fully understand is that these bags are made from, um, in sweat factories, they're made in, uh, they're, they're made by, by children. You could buy a bag innocently thinking, oh, it's fine. The brand can deal with a counterfeit. They make lots of money. How does it really affect them? It's marketing for them. I'm like, well, actually no, because these bags could be made from a child that's been human trafficked away from their parents and forced to work or sold even by their parents and forced to work in these sweatshop factories where their lim limbs are like tied back or broken so that they can't go out and play. So all they can do is sit and work. And it sounds like it's a 
um, it's scary. It's horrible because you don't really know what's happening. And you know, like I said, it's it's black market money. It's underground money, and there's all criminals that you're funding with this. That's crazy. I actually didn't know that until I seen that interview, um, and then looked into it. And you know, it's definitely you know one of those things again uh, need to bring more more awareness to. And um, just to ask as well, um, you know, what one thing we do like to do is just also give a background to the entrepreneur. Um, so whilst we speak a bit more about Luxury Promise uh, later in the interview, it would be great if you could give us a background to, you know, um, yourself and growing up, because I think I've read in an interview again that um, you spoke about the influence of your father. Um, he was in business and, you know, how that potentially, you know, rubbed off on yourself as well. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad, my father is Pakistani, which was, that's where he, and he came to London when he was about maybe 11, 11 years old. Um, and again, he was one of the first criminal barristers, Pakistani barristers in the UK. So that's kind of where the inspiration came to always study law. But he was, and my mother is Anglo-Indian. Um, and she was like a great, obviously a great mum, really supportive of her children, irrespective of what they do. And my dad was very much, um, you know, risk taker. He built. He worked. He he went and worked within a, being a you know well-known criminal barrister, and then went into work in building his own property company. And so it was very much ingrained. Um, I always give this as an example. It was very much ingrained that you uh, like life is a bit like monopoly. So he would walk down streets and be like, you know, why not have a real monopoly board and you can just own out streets and you you know you can. Uh, grow an empire and from a young age I was always taught the value of a pound and how hard seeing how my how, how hard my dad really worked for his family and you know in Asian culture it's very much um uh you know it's a generational thing and it's the uncles and the aunties and the brothers and the sisters it's all looked after by fam different family members you take you grow with your family and I, you know, I always saw my dad taking me out to building sites and walking around with him and how hard he really worked. And that was really ingrained in my head from a young age, like a trading mentality. So for me, I always say how I'm a pure trader inside. So I, I see a bag and I sell it. So I buy and I sell and I, I think of it as a trade uh, rather than always an emotional attachment. And you know being independent and i think the greatest gift that you can give any child is why do you know our families our ancestors come down to you know they came to places like the uk to basically grow empires and that was kind of how the business always grew like it was always like how do i grow this business it's, this is the mentality that was always in my head yeah no i love that and um, you know what one thing that is quite common we've seen on this show is that a lot of people have that instilled from them, you know, whether it's their environment growing up or, you know, just moving here and wanting to grow out their empires as well. And um, of course, you know, you're, you're very busy. You've got three sons and, you know, your um, husband, I believe he's already or also uh, entrepreneurial as well. How, how do you find that balance uh, between your own business and, uh, you know, your personal life? I always say if I knew the real uh, formula, I think I'd be very, very, very successful. <laughs> I'd, I'd be selling that formula off a hundred percent. I think, uh, and uh, it's a conversation I have with my husband this morning. I, we kill our bodies to do it. We put everything into our businesses, um, and because it's done with passion, you know, when if you love what you do, you wake up always excited to do it, and that's kind of the challenge that you give yourself, and it's cheap. For me, I learned from 
like I remember learning from my my father and my mother like this is work hard play well not so much play it was always work hard 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 that's pretty much but that teaching my children that as well that you know um in life if you want it you have to go and get it no one's going to give it to you and that's kind of what we're doing like we're continually chasing what we want and never be content because you don't know what life can throw at you so that's always knowing that life is a challenge but enjoying what you do with the, with the people you love so everything I do I do it with my husband I do it for my children and I think my dad did that for his children and his wife and his kids so it's kind of something that's in the in the blood yeah no, no, that, that's great to see and um you you again mentioned earlier uh, that you know it was instilled in you and it, you know it's like an Asian, a lot of Asian families to be you know go down the law path or you know be a doctor and you know we, we have these social norms which you know we're told that we have to live by and again in one of your previous interviews I uh, you know I think that you read uh, read you saying not to fall in a box because society wants you there can you talk more about that on you know how important it is for us to break our own social norms and you know the you know pressures that society puts on us I think it's natural for people to live in bubbles and for me it's always about breaking that bubble and removing yourself from it and sometimes removing yourself out of the comfort zone so I think an example is like don't be a sheep I always say to like don't be a sheep just you have to lead lead your own way so that's sometimes you have to take yourself and move yourself from how you feel comfortable to be able to understand and explore the next the next step or the next journey so I'd always say the biggest classrooms outside the four walls so look look beyond the four walls that you live in you know naturally uh, you, you you see it happens people grow up they they're born in an area they grow, grow up in an area and they move down the road from their parents and it's always and this is I think this is where I always have to break it back to the word independent being independent is the strongest gift and the strongest the most important thing that any human can have for themselves wherever you're whether it's your son your daughter your wife your child you know being independent is really important and I think that's key of breaking that bubble and sometimes removing yourself from your comfort zone uh, to learn because otherwise you will never learn yeah right and um you know it kind of ties in with that as well but you know i see it in my own business when recruiting for clients now they are trying to you know be more socially aware and socially conscious and part of that is also diversity and you're of course you know female founder and female businesswoman and you know there's not enough you know, female representation in this. How, how you found the challenges of, you know, being a female business owner, if you have found any, uh, and what's your thoughts on that as a topic? Uh, to be honest, I've, I've been very lucky. I don't think, it's, it's really weird. There's, so there's two things I never look at, and then I realise, I never look at myself being um, Asian female founder. I just don't. I just think I've got a good business. I know how hard it is to do and I'm going to put everything in to make this successful and I've got a good concept it's a proven business model so proving that was and I never really looked at it as my sex race or gender or anything like that I've never really seen it as as that and I never put that as an obstacle and I think people are really just really receptive I think the world has changed um and again it's removing myself from that bubble I'm not going to people like well I'm a woman and I can do this and that I, I, I never really do that I'm like well man or man or woman 
I've got a good business and I'm going to make this successful and I know exactly what I want to do it I, I see my I, I know my business strategy I see my path to exit and that's that's really key for anything and I'm lucky I haven't been people have been really supportive I think people typically don't really know what goes on in the background first when you approach investors or you approach clients it's always you're, you're approaching them with a service or a product and then later on they find out you're a wife and a mother and they're like oh wow that's that's amazing so because I don't see it as an, an obstacle I don't let it become an obstacle love that no that's the great great mentality to have and you know hopefully people watching this who want to do their own thing you know can definitely take inspiration from that <clears throat> and uh, again bringing it back to luxury promise can you talk to us about that startup journey and you know any challenges you had you know any of the sacrifices you know whilst building the, the initial blocks up every day is a challenge and it is going to be for a long time uh, every day i'm like wow okay so you achieve one goal and then you have to set yourself another goal and you're like okay we've done this okay how do we how do we get to that and i think even the team knows when i walk in in the morning they're like oh god she's ready <laughs> she's right and you can and i usually wake up at 2am in the morning and i have to just let it out in a in a chat so the whole company knows about what what plans there are and what we're going to do and that's the key thing is i think when the challenges i think is just staying at it and remembering it's not a journey that happens overnight it's a journey that can take years and years to happen i didn't just walk in and wake up one day and be like oh i'm going to do luxury promise it took me a while to get to that path that i wanted to actually go up and set luxury promise it, it didn't just happen i had to learn i had to understand exactly what i wanted to do and then i had to build up the courage to say you know what i'm going to do this by myself i'm this is what I want to do. This needs to be done. Why am I advising every company to do this? Why don't I just do it myself? Because I know exactly what needs to be done as a as a buyer. I need to. I'm. I am the person who buys my product. I'm the person that would sell my product. I am the consumer as well. So I need to build out this business. So I, I think the biggest challenge is actually getting up and doing it. And um, with, with that, um, you know, obviously you spoke about how you, you knew what you were doing, you were consulting other companies on it and, you know, you had the idea for a while. What, what, were the, what was the time frame between thinking of the idea and helping other people to actually saying, forget this, I'm, I'm going to go in, do it myself because I can do it myself? About nine years. Oh, wow. Oh, really? It was, I was at university. I was at law school when I, I really was like start, started studying the market and really understanding and traveling the world. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something I literally did trap. It was, it became a hobby to like travel the world wherever I'd go, even if it was on a holiday, even if it was like to like Miami or if it was to Vietnam or Japan or wherever it was, I was traveling. I'd find a secondhand dealer and I'd meet with them. I'd have a coffee with them. I'd understand that their market, who their client was, how they do business, how they authenticate. I really built up a book. I read and I looked at like the uh, the product and really understanding how the market was growing. Um, at, and at the time, you know, nine years ago, there weren't many players out there in the market that actually did secondhand. And um, there wasn't anyone that was focused in certain re they, they You had them, but they were regionally focused within their own markets, their own domestic markets. So you didn't really have big international players at that time. And I remember thinking, this is what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know. Back then, we didn't, you know, we didn't even have WhatsApp. So things really, you know, Facebook, it was, 
MSN Messenger, it, you know, things were really different back then. Like Instagram space. wasn't around. Yeah, it was all, all of that before that one. I, you know, it was all that before I had to realise actually this now needs to be done. And I, now I know exactly what needs to be done. So it's lots of learning on the way. There's lots of mistakes that are on the way. And there's lots of things that you learn from other people that you need to realise you need to implement. And every day I'm going to learn. Every day I'm still going to make mistakes. But those are the things I think you have to always remember is the fail, fail it. Fit. People are always scared of failing or wanting it too perfect. So whenever I speak to friends who want to start businesses, they're like, yeah, but I'm going to have to spend £50,000 on the perfect website. I was like, no. Do you think Netta Porter had the best website? Now, now their website's, you know, amazing, but they probably had to do a lot of stage testing, a lot of trial websites, go off different platforms before they got exactly what they wanted. And they still probably don't have exactly what they want. So it's the... It's to remember you can't be perfect and no one is perfect and no one will ever be perfect. So we're always striving to find that perfection. Love that. And um, again, you know, just looking at some of the, you know, your previous interviews and how passionately you spoke about luxury promise. Two things that always, you know, come to mind was you speak about the sustainability side and also implementing technology and um, AI and you know, really encompassing the future there. Can you talk to us about those two USPs of uh, Luxury Promise? Yeah, so what makes Luxury Promise unique is that we have this unique hybrid model and that's about giving people different options in the way they sell. So we allow people to buy, sell, exchange and repair, which no one has this hybrid model. And why, why we have this is because we have different women who might, or different women or different men that look differently to on the way they sell. So some people might look to, for example, you're a man, you have, you might have a car. When you look to buy a car, the next car that you want, you either would want to do probably a part exchange or you'd be like, no, I just want to outright sell it. And uh, I don't really care. I'm not going to get a new car and I'll, I'll think about the next car I want, or it's not with that same dealer that I'm looking at so that's kind of how we've approached the handbag model because it's very similar people sometimes want to either just sell outright or they might want to exchange it for another product or they might really love a handbag that they really love so we offer that repair no one really offered that solution and also the other um uh, reason why luxury promise was set up was because of access now if you live in places like the middle east or india or asia or singapore or hong kong you you can't buy from a European brand. You can't buy on a website from Chanel and get Chanel European prices. You have to go to Hong Kong or your local store to buy a, a, like a pair of Chanel trainers and be paying up to 40% more. Wow. And why should we be paying that in a digital era? Like there's big pricing discrepancy. So part of the solution to Luxury Promise was being able to give people access and also the same price point which we can do you all you have to do is go on a website and buy it and we can ship the same way we would ship from uk to manchester to uk to hong kong or uk to india we we allow that and plus you know now uh, the stigma is slightly removed from secondhand so people who are living in places like the middle east india or pakistan they don't have anywhere to go and sell their bags when they want to when they are done with it um so it's people are a lot more smarter on the way they shop and sell and the sustainable you know, we're, we're not contributing to any more production of products. We're telling people to shop smartly by saving money, shop safely by using a secure platform and making sure the bag that you're buying is bought from somebody who knows how to authenticate a product and shop like 
ha- have a, you know have a good time shopping because you know it's guilt-free shopping you you're you're saving money i mean who doesn't want to save money yeah and you get a nice handbag at the end and some of the bags that we have have never been worn because somebody decided they didn't like it or they just just haven't worn it and, and you, you mentioned it, you know there were stigmas about this market um you know about buying pre-owned goods um and then now it is growing where do you see this market or you know even your own business being over the next five to ten years global <laughs> yeah no, I, like I, we want a global business we want to be the, the brand that everybody comes to to sell their handbags or to buy the handbags I mean, we had, we had people from Mexico selling to us and we're like, oh, you're selling all the way to London, sending your product all the way to London because they believe that we understand how to buy and sell their handbags and they want that experience. And we're removing that stigma by giving that person a luxury experience. And part of the reason why we did a fundraise was to have a bricks and mortar concept so they can come in, touch, feel and try. They'll be served. They, you know, they, they, we, we put the luxury back into second hand and you know telling people that they give a product uh, you know a second life yeah in that strategy of you know building you know the platform you know to go further be more global you know how do you plan that out and then execute upon it look we live in a digital world and social media is is really an important an important platform that everybody should use and utilize and that's the bit that i think is really key um, is utilizing it, working, working with people that are brand ambassadors that are all different from all different walks of life, and that's where we, you know, luxury promise is very much built on a community, and that's how you kind of get. Yeah, so there's lots, there's lots that we need, to, there's lots to do. There's, you know, there's so many, you you hear so many amazing stories from different, you know, people who have set up econ platforms and how they've become global, and you know, really the mobile phone this small device that we have in our hand is such a powerful tool and it's about if you're looking to start up a business it's about finding these businesses which can be done through this small device and that everyone can see and have an access to it i mean even i find myself sitting there watching silly tiktok videos <laughs> I, I'm, and my husband's like what are you watching and you see uh, the amount of times i've watched someone do a slow walking <laughs> dance or, or like a slow walking uh, to this song I'm like oh, I don't even know why I'm watching this but I'm absorbed by it and it's like you need to be able to utilize this platform so if you're looking to start up your own brand or your own business think about ways which you can be seen and heard yeah and and, and that brings me to something I wanted to speak to you about because you've got a massive social media following um, luxury promise I think it's around 80,000 followers on Instagram you, your personal one's got about 23 to 25,000 alone uh, how what tips can you give the audience or people building their brands and business to, to get to that level of, you know, consumers following you and, and building that base? I think one thing that I've learned, and actually I've learned, and I, I know there's a big, you know, there's also stigmas around influencers. And what I've learned around influencers actually is that they, they are their own brand and they are, they share their own story. It's all about telling people your story. And at the end of the day, it's about human connections. We're all humans. We all need to connect to people. So telling people what you're struggling with, what you're doing day to day, showing people behind the scenes is what I re- I've always done. So people that have like 
the other day some lady came into the store and was like I followed you from even before you had luxury promise and you were talking about how you wanted to do this business and how you were you know and I was like wow really and it was all from the back of me liking the picture of a salad and I was like I don't know why I like the picture of a salad but clearly either I was on a diet or I was hungry and she was like I came across your page because you liked the picture of my salad and she said I've been watching you from before you even had when you had two kids and your story and how you really love handbags and how you want to expand into this business because I spoke about it and I think it's always about being very open and transparent and sharing the journey because at the end of the day we're all human we're all we all have um, a story that needs to be told and that's really key and I think even with Luxury Promise we show videos of all our products as well and we're showing people styling it you meet the different team members you you see their personality you see their favorite pics of what they like and everybody connects to us because we're all so diverse we all have different tastes Somebody might come to me because they really know I'm obsessed with the Hermes Birkin. Somebody might go to Grace because she really, she really likes Dior or Joanna because she really likes the different styles. There's so many different people in our, our group of um, at Luxury Promise that they get to see that. And I think it's sharing people's lifestyle is what they want to see and being really real. At the end of the day, you have to be as real as you can be. Yeah. No fake goods, no fake people. <laughs> <laughs> And um, with the, you know, you gave a great background, you know, on what, what to do, building your platform and, you know, going about business. Can you talk about also, you know, the importance of mindset and, you know, the softer skills which make, you know, someone a business person or entrepreneur or, you know, general, generally pushing their own careers forward? Um, I think it's hunger. I think having that hunger mindset of like always wanting more like never being satisfied, like even though we all, I always get, you, you mark your journey and your milestone, you, you achieve that and you're like, oh, I thought I was going to be much more excited. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I now I know I have to do, now I know I have to get to the next level, which is a, a lot more harder and, it, and this is just the beginning. Um, so I think it's always, um, I think it's always having the mindset of just keep going and it's not a big deal. If it doesn't work, it's fine. If it works, it's, it's amazing. And I, I think I'm very relaxed in some, I'm relaxed and not relaxed in some ways. Like I don't see, I don't overthink things. And I think overthinking and overcomplicating things makes it a lot more harder to achieve. And I think sometimes you just need to go with your gut. And I, I, I think I'm a big believer in always going with my gut. Whatever I've done in life is going with my gut. My hires are made with gut. The purchases are made with gut. And then obviously, once you scale is formalizing it and understanding how that what that formula is and replicating it so when you're saying things like social media um like going over your social media and seeing what your uh, audience really likes so you know we making sure you go back to back, go back to your board and sit back and say hang on let me see if instagram is how you're growing your business go back to that and say oh okay so how is this what worked really well what did my audience like? What do my customers like? And understanding your customers' needs and translating that into your business is really key in, in whatever you're doing, whether it's selling a pair of shoes or you're, you want to sell a clothing brand or you want to sell iPhone cases, finding out what your customer wants. Because you can, this is why the, when I say using analytical, using an analytical mindset to analyze what people want to get to the next level is really key. Yeah, right. 
And um, just moving into the next part of this is something new that we've done, you know, to engage our audience more, get more people's ideas. So I gave a bit of a blurb about yourself as our guest and asked people to throw in their own questions um, that, we, that we can ask you. Um, the first question is from Alicia Hussain on LinkedIn, and she wants to know, uh, what's your biggest tips on building your team and hiring? Hiring is a very hard task, I have to yeah. say. I mean, I pointed out um, building a team is finding people that share a similar vision and the end goal. So everyone has to know what, and being very transparent to what your vision is and finding people that can connect with that vision and adding, bringing a skill set. So bringing in a team, as a founder, typically as CEOs at the beginning, when you set up your, your company, you're doing everything. You're doing your deliveries, you're doing your emails, you're doing the authentication, you're doing the marketing, and then realizing that you as a person can only do so much. So how do you create a big business is bringing in people that can value add. So when you're looking, firstly, analyze what you need in your team, and then going out and finding those team members to add value to that business and making sure that they understand your vision and the end goal. So that's really key, I think. So for me, this is the reason why you do fundraising and why I have got investment in is to get those, the right people in to get my business to the next level and getting that skill set that I'm missing. I mean, I like to say I have, I have every skill, but I don't. And really realizing that you don't, I can't, I'm not an expert in marketing and analytics and. I can't build a website from scratch, but making sure I've got the right people in by my side. And I, I say we have a very much a family culture in our business. It's like we say it's an LP family, like we grow this business together and we exit this business together. So really finding the people with the right skills is really key. Yeah. And following your gut. Yeah, I love that you touched upon, you know, the soft skills of people and, you know, with the vision, because I find when hiring and recruiting for our clients, it's the candidates who are part of that vision, part of that journey and have, you know, that inner passion themselves that do better than someone with the best skills, but not right culturally. And, you know, they're the ones who tend to stay there the longest as well. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Moving to the next question. Um, Ali Duran from Instagram. What advice can you give to anybody looking to target more customers for a direct to consumer business on social media? I know you gave a few earlier, but was there anything else you could add from that? Um, direct to, I think really showcasing your product is really key and, I, and telling customers and sharing your story about why they should be your, why they should become and consume the product with you. So when we do, I mean, our, I, we do, we have like a 90% sell through rate on our Instagram stories and it's because we're so clear with the detail that we know we would ask, what would we do if I was buying this bag? What, what would I ask us? And we, obviously we're doing used handbags. You're gonna say, okay, how old is the bag? Is the bag got any wear to it? Does the bag have a stain inside? What does the bag come with? What does the bag look like on? Because they can't try it. So those are the things that we share in our, um, in our stories and on our social media. So I think understanding what you understanding how your product will relate to your consumer and making sure that you use that messaging in your marketing. Okay. And uh, next questions from Sunpreet Gill on Instagram. Uh, how did you organize your time whilst having a family and um, 
starting your own business alongside it? I don't, I don't, don't I honestly sometimes don't know how I organise my time. No, I, I think it's just discipline at the end of the day. It's, it's root, it, having routine is important as well. And understanding that, you know, for me, I've got three, I have help. So I have help. I've, my, my sisters and my family have always been around and not being asked, afraid to ask for help. I'd like to say I, I do it all, but that's, that's not the case. You know, you do have support from family members. I have a very supporting husband and mum and sisters who, like, if I need them to pick them up, my kids up from a school run, I'll be like, yeah, can you do auntie duties and then make them feel guilty when they refuse it? That's really key, making family members feel guilty that they're not helping you build your vision. Um, and also just think, just really um, being focused and not, a lot of times you can waste your time on not doing things. And I actually don't, as much as people believe it, I don't really have much of a social life. My social life is either to do with my business or my family. So in my spare time, on my time out, when I finish work, I go back to the family, I go back to the kids, or if I'm doing anything social related to it, it'll be business related. So you really, I really don't, you really narrow who you spend your time and making sure you have the right time for the right people. Great. And, um, oh, we've got two questions in one. This is quite a good one. Uh, Amrit Singh, uh, firstly, can you give advice on getting investment? And secondly, what was the best social media platforms for you uh, when selling to customers and building your brand? So the, what was the first part? Um, if you could talk about how you got investors. Investment. Yeah. Firstly, understanding um, the, the investment scene is really key because I've had friends who were like, how do you get investment? So I think really understanding um, and maybe, I mean, for me, I was very lucky because I, my husband within, understands the finance world. So he very much knew how to build structure, like setting up your company, having goals, creating the business plan and really understanding what your model is and what your brand is and what your vision is and how you're solving a problem. And this is why when I spoke to you earlier is you have a business and it's not just about having a business. It's about what, what makes you unique and what makes you different from everyone. What's the problem you're solving with your business and how you go to market with your business and who, what, where are your market? What's the market you want to target? Is it the world? Obviously we want to target the world, but firstly we started off as a, a UK centric business. We then tapped into the Middle East when we could see that's where our consumers were coming from. So really growing with where our, you know, where our customers are coming from and really understanding later on. That's why you do staged funding. So we always say you do, you know, get your business plan ready, understand your, understand uh, what you want to do and selling and pitching to friends and family. So typically investment starts with your friends, and, you say friends and fools round. So your investment comes from the people that really know your vision. And so all my friends and family knew that I loved handbags. I've looked at handbags. I want to do this. So getting the backing from the, that, that round first and then moving on to the next set of investors. And then you can look at, I mean, for us, we were very lucky. My first came from friends and family. And then my second um, came from a, a client. So she loved the business so much that she really loved the experience and she could see that we, what we were doing was really missing. And she believed in the vision, in the vision of what luxury promise was going to come. And so you always pitching I'm pitching right now. Yeah. And like always pitching. I pick, if I'm on a plane, I feel sorry for you. Whoever sits next to me, be prepared. I will pitch everything to you. I even got even the team members the other day. I've got a meeting now because she's just pitched to someone. You're always pitching. 
like yeah. the art of pitching is really good and actually you know what's taught me how to talk pitch really well is instagram stories learning how to talk in front of a camera i've learned it from instagram stories because i don't know who's not listening to me but i i can just talk away and it really gives the articulation and allows you to to know how to set your send your message across so go to your existing network for investment first always tap into your network that's all that's all it's all about networking at the end of the day okay yeah and that's it uh, you know every conversation's a sell um you know as, as they say and um you, this is quite a short one the second part of that was uh, what what's the one best you know social media platform you could advise to utilize for your business instagram i mean for us instagram is is really key because everybody's on that and it depends on who your audience is so tiktok's amazing but tiktok for us is a really younger audience so they're not going to probably won't convert and generate into a customer so it really depends on who you're knowing who your audience is basically in the age the, the, the demographics of your audience so we'd say our audience is typically 25 plus maybe even older so you know really understanding who your audience is and making sure you're using that platform to utilize it and also youtube for me is really key we don't i mean we have a we have a youtube channel but when i look at influencers i look for influencers typically who have youtube channels because they've got a more of a dedicated um, following. So they really buy into what they're doing. They really love the brand that they're creating or the products they work for. There's an interest in what they're doing. So that really finding and connecting, if you're looking at, you know, doing, working with influencers, making sure that influencer understands and has that target audience as you, the same audience as your customer is. Great, great tips. And um, uh, last part of this is just a quick, five question uh, quick fire round uh, we try and tailor it personally to the person we're speaking to uh, we can answer it within a word in a sentence uh, first question I've got too many words <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll probably have to extend it <laughs> yeah yeah you might have to give me some 10 words something. <laughs> um, first one is what's the one most important skill of yours which has helped you today sales sales is that a word yeah, sales. Is that, is that a word? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Secondly, uh, would you advise people to follow their money or follow their passion? That's a tough one. Passion. What is your favourite luxury brand? Hermes. If you could own one luxury item which you haven't owned yet, what would it be? question who's ever asked me that a crocodile hermes birkin well, that's three words but yeah <laughs> slide that in and uh, finally who's had the biggest impact on your career to date oh there's too many people can All i give right. two people Pro probably probably my dad and my husband yeah great quality um well look uh really really uh, excited again to have had you on um, it was a great interview and uh, great questions um for anybody who wants to find out more about yourself or your business where can they go to find you you can follow me at <laughs> you can follow me at luxury promise yeah um you'll get to see us talking away selling some handbags and uh yeah if there's any tips and advice that you'd like to see more of i'd love to get feedback too so yeah okay that's great well um, yeah thanks again for everybody for listening please remember to like share subscribe 
and give us a follow and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye.